0: Today on Commuter Bible, Paul contends for the hearts of the church in Corinth. It's 2 Corinthians chapters one through five and Isaiah chapter 12. This is Commuter Bible, the audio Bible podcast to match your weekly schedule. I'm your host, John Ross. Paul loves the church in Corinth, but at the writing of this letter, the feeling wasn't entirely mutual. The Corinthian church had received a severe letter from Paul that contained instructions about disciplining a church member. This could be the man mentioned in 1 Corinthians 5, or it could be some other person within the church. Whatever the case may be, it pained the church. Paul writes this opening section to bring comfort to the church, to reaffirm his love for them, and to encourage the Corinthians to continue to love him too. His confidence comes not from the letters of recommendations written by men, but from the Spirit who gives life and opens the eyes of men to see the light of the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapters 1 through 5 Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the comfort. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death and he will deliver us. We have put our hope in Him that He will deliver us again while you join in helping us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. Indeed, this is our boast. The testimony of our conscience is that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially toward you, with godly sincerity and purity not by human wisdom, but by God's grace. For we are writing nothing to you other than what you can read and also understand. I hope you will understand completely, just as you have partially understood us, that we are your reason for pride, just as you also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. Because of this confidence, I planned to come to you first, so that you could have a second benefit and to visit you on my way to Macedonia and then come to you again from Macedonia and be helped by you on my journey to Judea. Now, when I planned this, was I of two minds? Or what I plan, do I plan in a purely human way so that I say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus, Timothy, and I, did not become yes and no. On the contrary, in him, it is always yes. For every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. Now, it is God who strengthens us together with you in Christ and who has anointed us. He has also put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a down payment. I call on God as a witness on my life that it was to spare you that I did not come to Corinth. I do not mean that we lord it over your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy, because you stand firm in your faith. In fact, I made up my mind about this. I would not come to you on another painful visit, for if I cause you pain, then who will cheer me other than the one being hurt by me? I wrote this very thing so that when I came, I wouldn't have pain from those who ought to give me joy because I am confident about all of you that my joy will also be yours. For I wrote to you with many tears out of an extremely troubled and anguished heart not to cause you pain but that you should know the abundant love I have for you. If anyone has caused pain, he has caused pain not so much to me but to some degree, not to exaggerate, to all of you. This punishment by the majority is sufficient for that person. As a result, you should instead forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overwhelmed with excessive grief. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. I wrote for this purpose, to test your character to see if you are obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I do too. For what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it is for your benefit in the presence of Christ, so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though the Lord opened a door for me, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. Instead, I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, And among those who are perishing. To some, we are an aroma of death leading to death. But to others, an aroma of life leading to life. Who is adequate for these things? For we do not market the word of God for profit like so many. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ, as from God, and before God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are Christ's letter, delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence we have through Christ before God. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, If the ministry that brought death, chiseled in letters on stones, came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, What had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. Since then we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. We are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory of what was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted, because it is set aside only in Christ. Yet still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Therefore, since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Indeed, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the Word of God but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that, as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, Our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, We have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling, since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what He has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people, What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us, so that you may have a reply for those who take pride in outward appearance rather than in the heart. For if we are out of our mind, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, Yet now, we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Isaiah chapter 12 On that day you will say, I will give thanks to you, Lord, although you were angry with me. Your anger has turned away. And you have comforted me. Indeed, God is my salvation. I will trust Him and not be afraid. For the Lord, the Lord Himself, is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. You will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. And on that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make His works known among the peoples. Declare that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He has done glorious things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry out and sing, citizen of Zion, for the Holy One of Israel is among you in His greatness. If you're a first-time listener dropping in to catch 2 Corinthians, welcome. We're glad you're joining us to get more of God's Word. This podcast is available wherever you like to get your podcasts, so find us on your favorite platform and follow or subscribe there. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, and Patreon if you're looking for more information about the podcast, or simply head over to commuterbible.org for helpful links. If you have questions or concerns, feel free to message me on social media or just send an email to admin at commuterbible.org. Today's episode was narrated and orchestrated by me, John Ross, and co-produced by Bobby Brown, Eric Williamson, and the Christian Standard Bible. Thanks for listening, and remember, happy is the one whose delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night.